Thanks, music team. And we're going to spend a bit of time in the scriptures to prepare uh, after I preach, after I pray, closing prayer. We'll have a short video for you. Um, we just want you to reflect on some of the lyrics. It's a song, wonderful song, done wonderfully well. Halfway through the song, uh, myself and Dave Bray will come up here and we'll invite you when you're ready to come take the Lord's Supper. Um, just quickly, this is where our Lord said, remember me. Remember me in this way. Um, we find peace here. We find forgiveness. We find hope and we find strength and we find joy. So we'll do that together. And after that, after you take communion, if you so choose to, please head out this way. Grab a candle, unlit, hopefully. <laughs> and then uh, if you need the lyrics of Silent Night, please grab that. We'll end outside in the courtyard. And if you are unable to get up here, we will come serve communion to you. So that's where we're going. Let me pray as we open up. We'll be in John chapter 1 for a brief bit. And the goal tonight is to, what did the shepherds and the magi see? That's the question. Shepherds that night, magi sometime later, what did they see when they saw this baby boy? So let's pray. Father, help me speak truth. Help me be loving and kind. Holy Spirit, come and let us celebrate this Christmas season. And Father, I do pray that we might see it afresh in some way, not with a new doctrine, but with new eyes and with new hearts and with a way to worship you and love you even more. In Jesus' name, amen. On that night, Luke 2 shows us really, really what it was about in other scriptures, but Luke goes crazy, and on that night, we know the story. Normal people doing normal things, low on the totem pole in society, shepherds show up, and at least in the New Testament, you can go through your Bibles tonight when you get home, when heaven opens, what does heaven say to humans? Do not be afraid. You're just like, really? Yeah, go Google or go do your research. Don't be afraid. Go check this out, shepherds. Remember the sign we saw two weeks ago? There will be a baby in swaddling clothes. That wasn't the sign. Lying where? In a crib? No, in a manger, in a cave. There'll be a child coming forth by humble means. Go find him. Magi, these eastern stargazers, wise men, saw something in the stars, and they probably showed up a couple years later and were looking for this young boy. What were they looking for? More importantly, what did those two groups of people see? John chapter 1. That's a weird way to go. I'm going to read a few verses from John chapter 1. Some of you might be familiar this is the Apostle John. He would later write some letters, and the, he's the revelator. He kind of shows us who and what Jesus did ultimately. So John chapter 1, verse 1, you guys might know it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. Skip down to 14, John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us Christmas. If you're not with me yet, the word, it's done rightly here, the capital W, it's not the Bible, it's Jesus. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. 
Whenever I read that, my heart goes amen, because he didn't come with law and wrath. He came with grace and truth. That's how Jesus came. And then skip down to John 1.18. This is where John gets a little weird. Anybody who reads the Bible maybe regularly ever have problems with the Bible? I do. I got huge problems with the Bible. I do. Because it shocks me. Genocide in the Old Testament shocks me. Am I the only one? Sorry, I, I guess I'm the nice one in the room. Some of the things that I see, I'm like, ooh, you know. But John 1.18, look what it says. Is that true? Yeah, it's the Bible. Think about it. Didn't Abraham have a meal with God face to face? Uh-oh. Didn't Jacob and the ladder and some things were going on and there was this thing and I know Isaiah saw God in the temple in the king in the year of King Uzziah's death, Isaiah chapter 6. I know Ezekiel had some interesting encounters with God. I could say Elijah was almost face to face Moses. Moses saw the back of God. Can we get there in Exodus? Remember when God had to put his hand over so Moses probably wouldn't die? So John is writing with purpose in John 1.18, and he is not discrediting the Old Testament. He's not. Those events happened. We receive that by faith. But he's trying to shock us to go, I was, I was jiving with your prologue, because if you're not familiar, John was writing a poem in John 1, all this great, big word, Christological language. And he gets to 118, and he goes, no one's ever seen God. And the reader should go, I paid attention to my Old Testament Bible class. There's there some folks who saw God. So what is he getting at? I hope you're asking that question. I'm not trying to convince you the Bible contradicts itself. Don't go there. But it appears John is trying to reveal something more. And I know he is. Could Isaiah ever dreamed what John and others witnessed? Never. We'll see it tomorrow morning. Come back to church. But Isaiah in Isaiah 7, when he said, Emmanuel, I don't think, and I'll try and teach it this way, Isaiah was thinking of the Christ child. I think he was trying to make a peace treaty during war and going, God said there's going to be some child and by the, by the time that child is off formula and is potty trained, the, the conflict will be done. That's what I think he was saying. So what I'm getting at is John is trying to shock us and to see what the magi and what the shepherds saw and for my own heart, not be so narrow-minded. The Bible is true, but let's not just gloss over John 1.18 and other verses in a glib way or a cute way, but let's see it for what it says. John, the writer, is making a clear statement. No one's ever seen God the way I've seen God in the way they saw God. That's what he's saying. And if that wrestles with your heart, good, it's supposed to. That's the point. We're supposed to go, oh, what is he doing? Because he has something to tell us, especially in this Christmas season. If you, if you don't believe the pastor's words, good, go to the scriptures, but I'm not lying. Exodus 24, verse 9. Then Moses and Aaron 
and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, this is on Sinai, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, pavement of sapphire and stone. This was not 280. This was not 101. This was a different type of experience. Like the very heaven for what? Clearness. In verse 11, and he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. So the question is, when John writes, no one has ever seen God, the only God in John 1.18, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known, what are we getting at? For those of you who are guests, we taught through the Sermon on the Mount for six months. And remember what Jesus did? He pretty much broke all the Old Testament rules and rituals. <laughs> Why did he do that? To reveal God and fulfill the law. Uh-oh. Again, I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm trying to elevate our view of this little one in a manger. I know lots of Christians who love eye for an eye. Raise your hand if you love that. Tooth for tooth. Come on, we can be honest in church. Those statutes were given by God to actually quell violence. Matthew is here from Alabama. If I ripped out his tooth, maybe he would kill me. Maybe it would have been justified, right? <laughs> but God was giving laws and standards to his people so justice could be arbitrated. And if I ripped out your tooth, you could go no further than to rip out, take this one, it hurts, you know what I mean? You could rip out my tooth. Why I say that is Jesus during his teaching said things like what? You have heard it said to the ancients or the old way, I tell you, if someone wants something from you, here it is, give it to them. I tell you, if they ask you to go one mile, show the law of love that you are under grace, go how many miles? Two. I tell you, don't forgive just seven times, forgive infinitely. And we all know that he would ultimately do this in his cross to forgive all of us infinitely. Jesus will never ask or has never asked anybody to do something he hasn't done. That's why in Hebrews 4 and other places we can see that he can sympathize directly with us. So what is John saying? I got six minutes before we take communion together and celebrate. The best analogy I can come up with, not mine, you know that, the early church fathers called the pre-Christ civilization, the Old Testament, before Jesus showed up, like a long night. A long, cold night. Kind of like tonight. It's kind of cold out there. We got some Colorado folks who are like, you don't even know what cold is in California, right? God spoke through prophets and through his law and through visions, yes, and through engaging with his creation, but all of it before Christ was like a moon or a star far off. And I've used this analogy, so hang with me, but it's good because it clicks. You could do a lot tonight. You could hang Christmas lights on a ladder at your house. You could. Even if you didn't have power yet, if you just had the stars, you could be like, I kind of see some things, and there's the North Star, and I have some footing because I know this goes here. 
how much more could you do at tomorrow at 10 a.m. in your house? You can do whatever you wanted. Why? Because the sun has risen. And the morning star has come who illuminates everything. And we see things differently. And the analogy goes, by fulfilling the law, Jesus has rose and come and we see things differently. John would say, and the light has infiltrated the darkness and the darkness can't even understand it. So there is no more darkness. And to say all that, we now see things through Christological truth. We see things as God has shown them through Jesus. To answer my question, what did the shepherds and later magi see? God in fullness the way he wants to be seen. Christmas is about God intervening and coming and saying, this is who I am and this is what I'm about. I've fulfilled the law and its demands and I've shown you, Hebrews would say, a better way a way that it will be bought with my blood and then received by faith, yes, but what is the command of Jesus? Pray a prayer and hang out? No, follow me. That's all he says. Dear human, follow me. Get to know me. I'll take you on an adventure that will be the hardest thing in some ways because to follow him, when we find a woman caught in adultery, what are we to do? Pick up stones? See, Jesus and receiving him on the cross and, and getting forgiven is great. And that's essential. Faith. Faith in Christ and his blood and what he's done. The hard part is what? Waking up for how many days we have left and go, I'm going to live like Christ. I'm going to do it. The term Christian came in and around Antioch in the first century. It was derogatory. It was a poser. There's Betsy. She's posing like Jesus. On Christmas, saints, don't sell yourself short. Don't just check it off. Don't just say, that's a fun tradition. Understand that God has come fully revealed the way he's wanted to reveal himself to shepherds, to magi, to millions of people, and to you and I as good, as kind, as forgiving, as gracious, as loving. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. I wish I had more time. John 1.18 should um, probably mess us up a little bit. I'll close with this. Let the word have the last say himself. John 14.6. A lot of us love this one. John 14.6. They'll get it there in a sec if you haven't turned there. How many of you know that one by heart? How many like to pull that out sometimes when people disagree with you? It's okay, we're in church. It's a good one to do that with. Let's just see the context. Upper room, Jesus has been talking about, he's going away. Hard times are coming for people who believe. That's always fun to hear, right? It'd be like, I'm going away, guys. A new pastor's coming, and guess what? Persecution and famine's coming. Church would go from however many to two, but the faithful two would be here, right? So that's our context. He's talking with his disciples. Next verse. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. See that. The disciples and you and I on this side of really the empty tomb have seen, hear me, 
far more than Moses ever saw. Trust me on that one. You've seen God as he's fully revealed himself to be. Moses saw the back hand of God, which was amazing, I'm sure. Next verse. Don't you love Philip? Peter sometimes gets, gets accused of being the loud mouth, but Philip had some courage. What did he say? Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Does someone ever make a statement or ask a question, and you're just like, oh, I've been doing that for six months. I've been showing you this for six months. Look at Jesus, full of grace, John 14, 9. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? God the Father is not mysterious anymore, saints. He has revealed himself in his son, Jesus Christ. Do you want to know if God's forgiving? Yeah, he is. Do you want to know if God's gracious? Yeah, he is. Do you want to know if God's merciful? Oh, yes, he is. Does God judge? Yes. What do we learn? How does Jesus do it? He goes all the way here with grace and mercy and grace, and then he says, here it is. You've wanted it the whole time. But let's not have misconceptions. If you have questions about God, two questions as a pastor. What is God like and what does he want for my life? I'll end with this. God is like Jesus. Look him up, check him out. Study him hard. Study who he's revealed the son to be for the rest of your life. And what does he want for your life? God wants you to live after the example of your Savior, Jesus Christ. If you don't know what that looks like, read the Gospels in the new year and keep reading them and study everything else, but read the Gospels and just see how this man walked and loved and taught and confronted, don't get me wrong, confronted. What a night to have everyone here on Christmas Eve. The Magi and the shepherds saw God himself in a, in a manger. I'm gonna talk about it tomorrow. They didn't see Halloween Jesus. You know, when you put on a mask, they saw God, how he's chosen to reveal himself. In a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to come before the Lord's table. Kim, I might not have enough cups. I'll just be honest, right? When you, after you come, can you, uh, you know where the goods are? Because you're looking like, yeah, okay. Um, come when you're ready. We're going to have about 10 or 12 minutes or so. After you take communion, if you choose to, please head outside. You can grab an unlit candle and a a lyric sheet to Silent Night if you need one. There will be a fire. We'll also have a few chairs set up for those who need it. It will be warmer. For some of us who are polar bears, let's let people who need to be a little closer to the fire, closer to the fire, and we'll finish our service that way. But let me, uh, let me pray and close. After that, we'll have a short video, and we'll take the Lord's Supper together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for a verse that I've read many times. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for your re revealing yourself fully in the form of a babe. And thank you for his life and his death, his resurrection and taking him to heaven. And thank you for your great love through your son. In Jesus' name, amen.